It's time to ignite your life, empowering from the inside out. Stop comparing yourself to others. Imagine creating your lifeliness the way you choose. This is Now Women Ignite. You're about to meet some amazing entrepreneurs who will share their journey and the ups and downs that led them to where they are today. Listen with an open mind and heart. Now, here is your host, Karen Wright. It's time to ignite your life, empowering from the inside out. Stop comparing yourself to others. Imagine creating your liveliness the way you choose. This is now Women Ignite. Today, our guest is Jenny Taylor. Jenny, how are you doing today? I'm doing so well. How are you, Karen? I am so excited to have you on today's show. Today, we're going to be talking about um, some things in life that I know you and I both are firsthand experts at. And as we go in through life and through our stories, um, I'm always inviting my listeners as we begin. I always do a quick grounding session. Um, so I invite you to do it with me. I invite my listeners to do it. So it's always a good time. Um, so listeners, just close your eyes for a moment and taking a deep breath into your nose and out through your mouth. Another deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. And then bring your arms up over your shoulders. Give yourself a big hug. And then repeating the affirmation, I am worthy of my love three times to yourself. I am worthy of my love. I am worthy of my love. I am worthy. Of my love. Another deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. And then tapping three times in your chest the word accept. Accept, accept, accept. Another deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. Thank you for doing that. I feel as listeners and with my guests, this is an opportunity for us to put our ego behind and to connect together heart to heart and to let our mind just quiet for a moment. Um, I had an opportunity yesterday to speak with the women in business and Jenny was there. And during that, my speaking engagement, I started out my, my talk this way. And then throughout the talk, we talked about affirmations. And Jenny, each person got an affirmation. And do you remember what your affirmation was? Yep, it was, I got this. I got this. And what does that mean? Because I am an affirmation queen. And my listeners know that I just thrive on that. And so each each episode, I always have an affirmation for a day. And I want that to be our affirmation today. And um, I think kind of goes hand in hand because you're on my show and you saw me speak yesterday. So I got this. What does that mean? When you read that yesterday, were you like going, oh my gosh, what's this all about? No, I love it so much. And it's funny because I actually have a cute little piece of decor on my dresser at the foot of my bed that says, I've got this. And it actually says, you've got this kind of in the third person. But, um, the day my husband left to Afghanistan from the airplane, as he was in the plane and we were in the airport, looking out the window, watching his plane leave, he sent me a couple last tags. He said, I love you, whatever. And then he said, you've got this. And I have clung to that because there's days when I'll tell you, I don't got anything (laughs) like there's no way. And it's too easy to tell yourself. I don't, I can't, 
this is too hard. This is too much. And yet when you flip it to that positive, I've got this, I can do this. And even if I don't think I can, like my husband thought I could, he believed in me. And sometimes I have to rely on his confidence in me to then give myself permission to have confidence in myself. So when I pulled that one yesterday, I'm like, this is so perfect. I've got this, I've got this. And it almost made me laugh because I tend to be a worrier. I tend to be self-critical like so many of us. And so that was just a good reminder to me that, you know what, you've got this, you really do. Like you can do this, you can roll with the punches, you can pick yourself up when you fall. Like it does not mean I'm perfect. It just means I got this. So I love that affirmation. That makes me happy because I didn't know the backstory with that. And it's amazing how the universe will put the cards with people that need them. I just like, I had people putting them out for me. I go, whoever needs the cards will sit exactly where they need to sit. And it has worked out that way. It did. It did. It was wonderful. So let's deep dive because we have a 30 minute spot here. And you mentioned your husband and let's deep dive and tell the listeners a little bit about your, your life story. If that's all right. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I guess kind of cutting to the chase, I, I mentioned he was on a plane leaving for Afghanistan and I was inside the airport with our kids. We have seven kids. This was his fourth combat deployment, 15 years in the army. He was a major, um, an officer. He had also served in Afghanistan once before, Iraq twice. And then he'd been to places like Japan, Korea, um, always as a national guardsman. So we are not the family that moves every two or three years. He just went somewhere every six or seven months. You know, he was on the go and, and serving our country and, and we love him. We supported him with, through it all. And my job was kind of to keep the home front in line and, and help with the kids and, and support what he did. Long story short, he was killed in Afghanistan on that last deployment. It's now been a little over four years. And so when I especially think of that you know, last text he sent me that day, he left in January. He didn't die until November. So he finished most of that deployment, Mm -hmm. but I, I have screenshotted that text. And like I said, now I have a piece of decor at my bed that has it in cute handwriting. You've got this. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly been days in the last four years when I was positive. I don't got this. I can't do this. This is too hard. I can't imagine. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And yet, I think the most beautiful thing I found, and, and a lot of it resonated with what you shared yesterday and what you share with your listeners so often, was that actually I really can. And um, maybe I don't want to, <laughs> you know, some days I'm like, peace out. I don't even want to do this, let alone can I do this. But right. I've learned something beautiful about myself. I've learned the same about my kids. And to be honest, the trials that we've been through these last few years have given me incredible confidence in the human race. Like we are good at taking a beating and getting back up and we're good at getting punched down and picking ourselves back up. Now I'm sad that we have to take such a beating and the human story is just full of, you know, uh, fight and battle, whether it's internal or a country or a nation against another, but it's really given me kind of this awareness. And, and you talk of energy and the universe and karma and whatever word you use for it, that as human beings, we're pretty remarkable. Like we can get back up and we can face a sucky day and we can face lots of sucky days and still find the strength to put a foot in front of the other. And on some days when we can't put a foot in front of the others, then I'm just going to climb back into bed and try tomorrow. So um, it's, it's been remarkable 
seven kids. Our oldest is 17. She's about to graduate high school. So we're reaching milestone. And then my baby is about to graduate preschool. So we're going to go from preschool to high school. And then we're going to transition from kindergarten to college. So incredible. I'm way too old to have a kindergarten baby. I'm like the old mom at all the kindergarten functions with all these 20 somethings. (laughs) But you know, my, my oldest baby's about to spread her wings. And I hope, I hope she knows she's got this, you know, I know, I know life holds some scary things for her. And it's sometimes as parents, especially it's easy to look at our own lives and struggles and say, Oh my gosh, what if my child has to face this or overcome that or has dealt this? Guess what? Yeah, they're going to have to, sorry. Just it's a fact that we get out without difficulty. So I'm excited for my daughter, even though I'm nervous, um, but excited for her to learn what she can handle. And sometimes you have to learn hard way by handling it, but I'm, I'm confident she can. Well, and in life, that's what we do. We, we raise our kids to fly. You know, we want, we don't want those homing pigeons. Keep coming back home. Keep coming back home. We want them to soar like the eagle. (laughs) Yes. We, um, after that luncheon yesterday, I went to the high school where my kids attend and there was an assembly actually with the governor, with Utah's governor. And he was talking about housing, you know, affordable housing, which of course is hard to find anywhere. But he said something like, when my kids grow up, I want them to live near me. I don't want them to live with me. <laughs> like, right? I want them to be able to visit with the grandkids, but maybe not in my basement. So yeah, we want them to fly. And I think the fact that we've flown and fallen and flown and fallen and flown and fallen ourselves can hopefully give us the confidence for our kids to fly, even though we know at some point they're going to fall. I think when our children see us struggle, quietly they're watching and learning. Yeah. And they might not understand, well, why she, why did she do it that way? I would have done that way until they're in this situation or a situation similar that they'll have a more open mind going, oh, I understand, but maybe I'm not going to do it that way. Right. And, and they might handle it differently, but mm-hmm. I love what you about letting them see the struggle. I think sometimes we try to hide it. We try to pretend we've got it all together. And yeah. And again, we take that. I've got this a little too far. I love what you said about ego yesterday, that ego is edging God out, whoever your God or higher power is. Right. That there's, there's that fine line between I'm capable, I'm confident, I love myself, I can do this. And I don't want to be a total egomaniac and think I'm on my own because then I'm going to fall flat on my face. Right. But finding that confidence coupled with humility and, and grateful I have friends to help and family to help and a loving God to help. And I don't pretend to do this on my own. You know, sometimes I, I recognize just how not independent I am, but I think that's okay. That, that beautiful, not a codependence, not, a, not an unhealthy, toxic relationship, but how beautiful to depend on other people and have dependable people in my life and, and hope I can maybe be dependable for them. Yeah, I think that's really important. And you mentioned when we were talking about your your husband's passing, um, that humanity was kind. What happened? Because oh. a lot of people, things happen and nothing, humanity doesn't step in to help, sure. which is and very sad. To yes, me. it's very sad. It's heartbreaking. I will say our situation was one you could have made a Hallmark movie out of. <laughs> like we're, we're from a small I town. I think they will one day. I'm just saying. <laughs> It'll be, it'll be great to watch. Um, get some popcorn. We live in North Ogden, Utah. It was a little under 20,000 residents in the, in the whole city. 
a very bedroom community. A lot of people are like me where we grew up here. My grandparents lived here. Like, you know, we're multi-generational small towners. And there was just something about, um, you know, there's something about war and there's something about death in the line of duty that I, I think strikes a nerve with a lot of Americans. I know it does with me, you know, a couple of years before my husband was killed, there was a local police officer killed mm-hmm. in the line of duty. And I remember that hurt me. I've never met the man. I didn't know his family. I'd never, all I knew is he was in a uniform trying to keep my community safe and he died in that act. And that hurt. And that, that made me want to help. And that made me want to reach out. And that, that felt like it was my loss, even though it wasn't my loss. Right. Right. And so when Brent, my husband died, I think a lot of people in our community felt that. And, you know, we've lived here a long time with kids that go to school with other kids and play sports with other kids. And he was actually the mayor of our city. So love him or hate him. He was known by a lot of residents, you know, not everybody agreed. Right. With Heck no. And, and it was even beautiful to see some of those who'd been politically very opposed to him, which is very natural mm-hmm. on politics they were still very kind and compassionate in expressing their sympathy and saying, okay, we didn't really like the guy, but we didn't want him to die. Right. You know? And, and I appreciated that. I appreciated that there was that humanity that rose over human difference. Mm-hmm. And we did, we had, you know, neighbors, friends, people I've never met bringing dinner, dropping off a card, uh, gift cards to go do something fun with the kids. Because of course we're kind of in that fog of grief. Um, I had a couple ladies in the neighborhood that showed up a couple mornings a week after the kids went to school and just helped me clean the house. Because, you know, in that thick of grief, whether grief is for death or another loss, there's all kinds of loss. That thick of grief, like you can't remember how to cook or clean or how to, how did I used to do those, do those things, right? I think sometimes right. I do those things. So we, we were, um, if anything, we were smothered with kindness. I think a couple of my teenagers would have preferred a little more privacy, you know, because again, there's these people we've never met. And that, that was a difficult thing, but hopefully a learning opportunity. My oldest son, he was uh, barely 12 at the time. And he expressed one time of frustration. All these people were doing these wonderful kind things. And he said, well, they're only doing this because dad died. And I'm like, yeah, they are. They're doing this because dad, like normally if dad were not dead, people would not feel the need to come clean my house and bring me dinner every day because they would hope that maybe he and I could handle that. Right. Right. It was a good opportunity. I I got where he was coming from. There were people we never knew before that immediately showed up in the aftermath. And I think what he was saying was, well, we didn't, you know, we didn't know him before. We don't have a relationship in place, but it was beautiful to see. You don't, have to know someone to mourn with them. I mean, there's certain levels of intimacy and, and privacy, but right. I, I hope back to what you said about maybe our kids one day will be adults in a different situation. I hope there will come a time when they will say, Oh my goodness. Do you remember how every neighbor showed up with lasagna and we were so sick of lasagna <laughs> or do you remember? Oh, that first Christmas, Karen. Oh my goodness. So my husband died in November and then it's Veterans Day, and then it's Thanksgiving, and then it's Christmas, and we're Christian and celebrate Christmas. And mm-hmm. those kids got like half of Toys R Us in the living room. That I mean, it was absurd, and it just made me cry. And on the one hand, I'm like, you can't spoil my children this way. And on the other hand, I thought, look at this. This is people's expression of support. They they don't know what else to do. They can't bring these children's father back. Mm-hmm. They can't war. 
but they could drop off a Nerf gun or a set of Legos. And it was, again, I, I hope that's one of the moments as my children grow and help with the magic of Christmas for their own families. I hope at some point they say, holy cow, I didn't, I mean, they knew it was amazing. Like I've got video of how amazing that Christmas morning was, but I think maybe as they get older, they'll see we, we were, we were inundated with kindness. And I will tell you that kindness that we were shown has been a large motivator for me in, in some of the service I try to give, you know, it's easy and lost to just kind of go hide and, and curl up and say, that's it. I'm done. I'm spent. And, and trust me, I have those moments, but I, you know, our family has paid a certain price mm-hmm. for freedom and, and democracy and everything. But I will tell you, we have a huge debt. We've, we've been given so much. We've been loved so much and shown so much compassion that now my goal and, and what I hope to be teaching my children is we're going to be paying it forward the rest of our lives yeah. because how much kindness. And it does make me sad when that compassion is not shown. And I'll admit some people have, have pointed those instances out to me, um, you know, other military families even, and they've said, Hey, my soldier died and, and we didn't have the same outpouring or, you know, I had a son that died of cancer and nobody noticed it. And that is heartbreaking to me. So I would hope that if ever something were to come to my attention or my kids attention or awareness, I, I hope they would act with kindness and, um, and not only if they're a mayor and not only if they have seven kids, cause that kind of, you know, grabs a couple right. headlines, but I would hope that when we see someone struggling, we would do something, maybe something little, a text, a note, a flower on the doorstep. If you're awkward about knocking on the door, okay, fine. Do something, show mm-hmm. that smile, hold the door open, yeah. pay for Pay for the guy behind you at McDonald's or whatever. Well, and in life, it is about paying for it because you don't know what the person behind you has gone through, right? No. And you said the the McDonald's thing. I've done that a couple of times and you watch them in the rearview mirror and they're like, what? I know. And you're like, yeah, it was the best five bucks I've ever spent. We, we were, so you know how sometimes the fast food places have two driveways that go yeah. in the, so we, we ordered at one of the microphones and somebody ordered at one of the microphones. And I guess we got in line the wrong direction. So when we got to the window to pay the bill, the guy handed me the bill for the other person, which was far less than mine. Because keep in mind, I have seven kids. Seven kids at the drive-thru is not cheap. And so I said, oh, that's not ours. I'm sorry. And then he handed me mine and I paid it. And I'm like, you know what? Let me pay both of them. The other guys was like literally five bucks. Right. And Kids, I am surprised at how much they thought that was so awesome. I'm like, clearly we need to do that more. They're like, mom, yeah. did you pay for that guy's lunch? I said, yeah. They're like, why? I said, cause I, I could, it was five bucks and probably made his day. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. So it doesn't have to be, um, giant. I think sometimes we freeze. We, we don't know how to solve someone's problem. And so we stand back. Mm-hmm. When in reality, we need to remember it's not our job to solve their problem or fix anything, but maybe we could help them face it. And maybe a free Big Mac will help them face today a little better. I don't know what they're facing. And that's so true. And Jenny, you went through in your earlier life um, some things with your your dad and your brother, uncle. And so let's talk a little bit because right now, um, mental, I believe it's some mental illness and suicide. There's a lot of that happening, especially through covid and then pass and people trying to get back to what normal is. Um, and I feel like this year was better than last year, but what did you learn or maybe share quick what happened and sure. what you learned from that? 
So um, my father died by suicide when I was 10. And my husband's youngest brother died by suicide when he was 15. My husband and I were both in our 30s when that younger brother was 15. My two brothers have both struggled quite a bit with uh, drug and alcohol addiction and, and the mental illness that often accompanies that, probably largely due to our father's mental illness and suicide when we were kids. So it's, it's all you know, a, a lot connected. Um, what did I learn? I will tell you, I don't think I learned very well when my father died, it was 1990. You did not say the word suicide out loud. We certainly weren't having open conversations about mental health. It was mental illness. Right. You know, anyone seeing a psychologist or a therapist was broken. And so I, I think I learned that life is hard and unexpected things happen and I can either be miserable or happy. And I guess I'm going to choose to try to be happy. So in a way from my father's death, I learned I mean, honestly, I wanted to make him proud of me as a little girl. I, I, I feel like he still exists somewhere and, and maybe could be aware of me and watching over me. And so it actually drove me to be a very motivated student, uh, a hard worker, because I kind of had him, I was trying to please him. I'm a pleaser. I'll admit it. Now, what did I learn about suicide as an adult as I watched brothers struggle with drug and alcohol addiction and suicide ideation. And then when we lost a teenage brother-in-law to suicide, that's where I really started to learn because as an adult, I could revisit that childhood experience through different eyes. I could see that mental illness is an illness mm -hmm. that we've got to talk about it and not put it under the rug. And I could see that it can affect anyone, you know, with my brother's I think for years, I thought there'd be a phone call any day that one of them was dead, either from suicide or overdose or drunk driving or who knows what, you know, it's a very dangerous lifestyle. And that might not have surprised me given the choices they were making at the time. But when we got the phone call that Brent's youngest brother had taken his own life, we were shocked. Mm -hmm. No history of mental struggles, no history of drugs or alcohol, no history of gang violence, nothing here we are, this conservative Caucasian family in northern Utah with the sophomore boy dead in his room from a gunshot to the head. I mean, that was shocking. So I, I feel like I learned, I, I learned the most through Troy's death. That was 2011. It's been 12 years now. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it helped me revisit my father's death 20 years prior. And it, in ways I couldn't yet see, it helped prepare me for my husband's death. Because I learned that awful things can be handled and that the sun will still rise and, and a lot of it's choice, affirmation, that positivity. And, and that's not Pollyanna. I love what you said. It's not like you're putting it under the rug. You're not pretending life's not hard. You're just saying life's hard. Okay. Yeah. I can be happy and have hard life. Like I can do both. So we've definitely as a family gotten better at um, talking about mental illness, at um, being open about the fact that probably we all struggle with some degree of, of the spectrum of mental well-being from time to time. And, and even to the point now where it's just, it, it's just a given, like, how are you doing? Are you feeling any anxiety or, Hey, you feel like maybe a little more depression or what? And not, not so much to the clinical diagnosis. I'm not meaning to make light of that, but right. I, I hope my kids and in our extended family, especially they've seen that mental illness is real that drugs and alcohol can lead to really dark places, particularly when combined with the tendency for mental illness. And so we are much more open as a family about it now. And, you know, I'm sure there's still room for improvement, but I've learned looking the other way doesn't take it away. 
And I've learned that it's everywhere. Almost everybody knows somebody that's either struggling with their mental health, with drugs and alcohol, with suicide, with thoughts of insecure. I mean, it's so easy to look at the other people in the world and think they're so perfect. Mm-hmm. In reality, we're all just trying to figure it out <laughs> one day at a right. time. So I've learned, and, I feel like I've learned a lot really, um, you know, through, through those challenges. I really have. Well, and you, you said you wanted to please your dad. Education was important. You became a school yep. teacher and you taught before your marriage or kids started coming, correct? Yep. Yeah. And I think that education background that that teacher like, um, I'm a learner. I love to learn and then learn what I what I've learned, right? So that teaching comes in. You had to be a learner and a teacher, right? And you just yep. said that. You continue to learn. No longer are you put your looking the other way. You're like, let's embrace, let's talk. Yeah. Let's open up. And I think communication is so important. Um the part about communication I love that I is is listening. Communication is listening. And I believe, Jenny, as a mom, that you probably listen to your kids and you just allow them to speak and talk and you just embrace that. Yeah. And you have to, and you kind of have to let them take the lead, right? Like <clears throat> everyone's reaction, our, our, our extended family and community, you know, right after Brent died was we've got to get all these kids in counseling. Well, do you know what happens if you force a whole bunch of kids to counseling? Yeah, a bunch it, of, it doesn't go. <laughs> if anything, they're going to be angry and even less expressive. And so we found that our kids need to process life the way they process it. And you're exactly right. You've got to be ready to listen when they're ready to speak and where, and, and, you know, it's funny, it's probably not going to be sitting down in a one-on-one, tell me all your feelings, but had the opportunity um, a couple of weeks ago to be one day at Disneyland with two of my daughters and you wait in line at Disneyland and you walk around right. and you have time and, and things come up and, you know, one or two of them would ask a question or a conversation and, and just letting it be really natural and self-directed. And, you know, maybe there's questions you can ask that might help prompt, but I have found you cannot force conversation with a teenager. If anybody knows how to get a teenager to talk, I'm taking notes, but um, there there have been times when it's like the end of the day or a weekend and I'm so tired or I have a hundred things to do, but I can tell they're ready to talk. It's like, guess what? Nothing else matters right now. Right. You put it aside. I used to tech and I saw this is my kids are like, oh, mom, but my, my son, senior in high school, every night, I take my kids to bed every single night. And I'd rather, he loved his ears rubbed or whatever, his head. And oh, he yeah. like, talk and talk and talk. Yeah. And it was almost like, okay, mom, I want to be last. Like, it was a joke. It took me like an hour to take my three kids into bed every <laughs> night. And that is one thing that they r- really look at. They love me taking him to bed and our family dinners together. No matter yeah. what time of the day we're eating together, family, if it's three o'clock or seven o'clock at night, yep. depending or on night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's I love it. So okay. we're about we're about ready to close. Can you believe it's I on know. Set? But I want to um I would love you to share like a word of advice for our listeners. Um, because you have really stepped up, stepped up and in, in my mind, my eyes, and just watching you from afar until I've gotten to know you. But you have given back through service and you are one busy, busy person. And um and I respect that so much. Word of advice for our listeners, you know, whatever's on your mind today. And so all about now, now's your time, babes. Now, I, oh my gosh, now is your time. I love, and I love what you say about knowing your no to know your yeses. I think put yourself out there, but put yourself out there with the things that fill you up. 
I can be incredibly super busy and exhausted if I'm draining myself into the, the wrong channels, or I can be super busy and exhilarated. And so there's, you know, not every opportunity to serve or to work or to give back is suited to every person. I, I read something recently that talked about, you know, the real key of service is finding where your passion intersects with someone else's need. And, and so if I can find ways to give back that I'm giving, but it's also helping me feel fulfilled or helping me feel energized, well, then that's a far better use of my time than me busting my butt trying to be something I'm not or do something I can't. And, and I think that's where I've become, I can do this, right? Let's, let's be, end where we began. I can do this, but I don't have to do everything. And that's been really for me because I'm a doer and I want to do it all and please everyone and be everywhere. And I can take the time, you know, through grounding exercises and things like you've said to recognize this is what I choose to do because it does help someone and it leaves me feeling a, a sense of fulfillment rather than I'm just going to help everyone forever. And then I'm going to be mad about it inside. You know, we do that as moms sometimes. Yeah. So just my, my best advice is find your passion, find your passion, find yourself, find your inner energy and put that to work. I guarantee to you, there is a need around you where your energy can fill that need. And then it's win-win now. Yes. I'm exhausted and I don't sleep enough, but man, do I ever feel awesome? Cause I'm giving <laughs> and I'm serving and I'm connecting Versus when, and I can tell it, I, my body, listen to your body. My body will tell me when I'm giving in the wrong direction. My body will be like, mm, you're wrong, re, reset, reset back on course. So listen to yourself, but listen to your inner self. That's maybe my best advice. Don't ignore the voice inside because it knows you better than you do. I love that. Listeners take that advice. Don't listen. I mean, listen to your body, listen to, listen to the voice that's telling you to do what needs to be done. Service is always a great way, but find passion in that. So you're filling your cup at the same time. It can be a win-win for everybody. Yep, absolutely. And I love that so much. Listeners, remember, take time and breathe. Breath is a gift of life. Our affirmation for this month or this week was, I got this. Remember that. Write that on your sticky note. Write it on the wall. Write it on your mirrors like I do. I got this. And never forget, you do. You're not alone. I believe angels will come in. Our angels on earth will walk into that door and help you when you need it. Ask for it. People are around to serve and to help. But sometimes we just need to ask and humble ourselves and put our ego behind and allow others to step in. Thank you for being with us here today, Jenny. Until next time. (laughs) I love you so much. Sending love and light to everyone out there listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Karen. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Now, Women Ignite can be heard monthly on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We look forward to you joining us again. Everyone knows a realtor. A seasoned realtor, Karen Wright, has the experience and the knowledge of this crazy market. Whether you are a first-time homeowner, 
downsizing, or divorced, Karen understands the importance of easing the pressure for her clients. A hands-on realtor, Karen has been known to paint rooms, box up toys, bring food to her exhausted clients, and even help them find movers and cleaners to help simplify the process. She reminds her clients to take a deep breath and trust in her. For your next real estate needs, remember Karen Wright at Realty Path Summit. Visit yourbestmoveyet.net. The book Now or Never, Shine Baby Shine, is authored by number one international best-selling author Karen Wright. Karen's book invites readers to learn and grow through every aspect of her life. She invites all who have experienced any loss in their life to take time, read, and feel her words as she opens her soul page after page. Through each twist and turn of her journey, Karen invites her readers to heal and become the person you are truly meant to be. Find your truth, live now, and shine. Visit shinenowornever.com or look for the book on amazon.com.